Before we get started with today's Hustlers Healthy Hacks episode, we want you all to know that the topics, opinions, and views we discuss in this episode are from our own personal experiences and shared with you for entertainment purposes only. If you are wanting medical advice about your health, lifestyle choices, or mental well-being, please seek this from a qualified medical practitioner first. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Neon, the go-to marketplace for models, social media influencers, and celebrities to connect with brands. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hustlers Healthy Hacks. Teagues, how are you today? I am good. And even if I'm not good, I'm going to fake it till I make it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Now, you've had a massive couple of weeks. You have been the face of the Melbourne Cup Carnival here in Melbourne at Flemington. Tell us a little bit about it because I'm sure everyone's seen your fabulous photos on social media. You looked amazing the whole time. Look, it has been an absolute whirlwind. Uh, The ambassadorship was announced in August and, you know, I've always been a racing fan. I've grown up with my dad, you know, pulling me out of school early and taking me home to watch the Melbourne Cup. So it's always been something that's brought my family together and something that I really love to celebrate every year. Um, And then when I took the role, when I got the role – I realized how deep I was going to be going into the industry and how much I was going to learn or how much almost I didn't know about it. I was like, wow, I thought I knew racing, but now I'm understanding, you know, it's such a dynamic industry. There's so much to learn. And I was, you know, the face of the VRC, which is Flemington and all of the sponsors that came with that and all of the pop-ups within Flemington and all of the horses and the trainers and the jockeys and the owners. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a hard few months. But as usual, and in theme with the topic of today's episode, I love to fake it till I make it and I love to say yes to things and then throw myself into them and immerse myself into these different industries so that I'm I'm becoming more worldly wise and learning more about the different wonders of the world. Um, and racing certainly is one of them that I now feel like I, I've fallen in love with even more than I already was. You know, that's something so amazing and something I really admire about you is how, you know, when you do land a job, you really commit yourself 110% and you learn so much. I know my dad and you even had a conversation about horse racing because yeah yeah, he has a long history with it in his family and when you were over here you're like oh tell me everything you know and I I just I really love that about you that you're always so eager to learn and to always put your best foot forward Um, but it's a great segue into today's topic absolutely tell us what we are chatting about we are talking about faking it till you make it and We're probably going to segue into confidence at the end of the episode because I think they go hand in hand. We'll probably both have a lot of personal stories to share around this, but I I know for a fact that we both live by this motto. I want to start with what comes up when you Google fake it till you make it. (laughs) Fake it till you make it is an English aphorism which suggests that by imitating confidence, competence and optimistic mindset, a person can realise those qualities in their real life. So it's sort of saying that it's a few ingre- it takes a few ingredients to fake yeah. it till you make it. It's confidence, competence and optimism. So I think the first thing that people can start with is, is optimism. Yes. If you are wanting something in your life or you're wanting to, you know, apply for something or achieve something in particular, the first thing you have to do is just be 
optimistic and positive and feel very deeply within you that you can achieve that. Yes. The second thing being competence, which is what we were kind of just talking about with my role with the VRC. It's, okay, you've landed the role, you know a bit about racing, but you're about to represent a huge organisation over the next two months. You're going to be interviewed on the morning show. You're going to be interviewed on the radio. You're going to be out there representing racing and it's important to be competent. So go and learn what you need to learn to be the best that you can at that role. Mm -hmm. And the third ingredient for faking it till you make it is imitating confidence. So that's not like being confident. You can't just tell someone to be confident. It's kind of faking the confidence and pretending that you're more capable or you know more about something than you actually do. If you think about everyone that you see doing a TED Talk, you've got to remember that they've all come from somewhere and that everything they've achieved along their path of success, they've had to throw themselves into something that they'd never done before. And I think that pretty much everyone in life that has achieved some sort of success has imitated confidence at some point. You absolutely have to imitate it. And I still remember when this, I guess, saying or quote became my motto in life, fake it till you make it, was when I first started uh, working at Cotton On and I was fresh out of uni. I'd never worked for anyone, you know, in a corporate world before. And I took on an events role, which I absolutely didn't have the experience for. But at that stage, I'd been going, applying for so many jobs. I knew it was such a competitive industry and I really wanted to be working at Cotton On. So I remember literally going into the interview and just thinking to myself, you have just got to put your best foot forward. Like tell them what they need to hear and figure out the rest along the way. And I honestly did. I went in there and just talked the talk and believed in myself and I ended up getting the job. And it was such a good learning for me to just realise that, you know, I knew I, I could be capable and I knew whatever I didn't know, I would figure out and I would learn along the way and I would ask people and I would always make sure that I was doing the job the best that I possibly could. And, you know, I think that that's as much as you can really ask for. So it actually was a bit of a saying at Cotton On because, you know, a lot of people, I guess at times were out of their depth. We were always, it was such a fast paced business. It was so reactive and we were always doing things that were outside of our comfort zone. Mm. So we absolutely had to fake it till we make it. Mm. You know, I would sit in board meetings with people that had been in the business for 20 years. I would go and, you know, present to hospital boards and, you know, try and get money, you know, be sitting in there talking about a marketing plan to people that are about to spend $30,000 on a sponsorship. <laughs> like I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. but you know, you absolutely have to imitate and make those people believe that you did have it in you, that you were so capable. And from that, you then get the skills. You've done it once, you can do it another time. And all Mm. of a sudden you do become an expert in that space and you become so good at it. Mm. Like you were saying about the TED Talks, those people had to break through that barrier of fear and do it the first time. Mm. And now they're doing it on a worldwide stage, watched by millions and millions of people. It's so powerful and If I was to think what is something that I would want to instill in my children from a young age, my future children, it would be you can do anything and you may make mistakes. You may say yes to something and then completely stuff it up, but that's okay. The world's not going to end. You're most likely not going to lose your job. You're most likely actually going to to do quite fine and to get through it looking like you know what you're doing if you put the work in and that's where – 
the ingredient that we spoke about earlier, competence comes into it. Yes. If you do step up to the plate and decide that you're going to fake it till you make it and say yes to something that you have never done before and you actually don't, maybe don't even have the skills to do, make sure that you then put 110% work into going away and picking people's brains that have done it before. And, you know, there are so many people out there. I've gained so many mentors just by picking up the phone and saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry to call you on a Tuesday night, but I'm doing this and I really, really want five minutes of your time to let me know how you think I should go about it. And I've ended up being on the phone to these people pretty much nine out of 10 times for like over two hours and having them basically run me through step by step how they've done it. And then I've gone, okay, I'm going to practice that a million and one times before we get to the day. And I go away and I probably run off six hours sleep that week. And then I get up and I do the performance. And often for me, it has been in situations where I'm public speaking, which is, as everyone knows, you know, not many people love public speaking. It's a scary thing to do, especially when it's speaking on something that isn't something that you're completely comfortable in. It's a new topic, which is something that being in the limelight has thrown at me is constantly going, okay, well, now we want you to to do this and now we want you to emcee a a carpet where you're talking about this and and you're constantly being thrown into different areas of different industries that you don't know a lot about. But that's awesome. That's so much fun to me now because now I'm like I can honestly walk into a room and when someone wants to converse with me, I feel like I have a lot of things to say and I've got, you know, bits and pieces of knowledge on so many industries now which just makes me a more worldly wise person that as has better confidence to have basic conversations with people. And I guess if you look at all of those things, they're building blocks towards your confidence. You didn't go into any of those things feeling confident, but now you're a confident person to walk into those situations or to be approached by those situations. So I feel like looking at all of, you know, the different situations you put yourself in and, and, you know, you're not going to be perfect at them first time around, but they're building blocks to confidence. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the fake it till you make it is about believing in yourself so much that you become a confident person in other people's eyes. Yeah. So although you might not feel 100% confident all the time, it's the the words that you use, the behaviours and, mm-hmm. you know, traits that you show to people that make them, it's, it's down to perception. It's their yep. perception of you as a confident or not a confident person. But something that you touched on before, T, was about how you instill confidence in your future children. And, you know, obviously just having Georgia, that's something that has been at the forefront of my mind because she's a little girl and, you know, I really, really want to be able to instill a lot of confidence in her to believe that she can honestly do whatever she wants to do in this world and she's truly capable. But it's a hard one to think, how do I do that? You know, Mm. it's a question I've been asking myself a lot, which is why I'm really excited that we're talking about this topic today, because it's reminding me of all of those things that I can do to really instill confidence, you know, in my little girl. And I think, you know, as parents or as people look back on all the situations that you've put yourself in and realize where you have gained your confidence, because there'd be a lot of times that you probably haven't even realized that you've completely faked it. And you've made it mm. and you've done it, you mm. know, and you've got to that that next hurdle or that next step in your career or that next job title, whatever it was you're working to, mm. purely from faking it until you've made it. And just on that, like it is often the scariest of scariest things that you say yes to 
that are the ones that are going to build your confidence in order to achieve the next big thing. So for me, it's been things that have terrified me to my absolute core. Like when I got the phone call from my manager saying, we, like, we want you to go into the South African jungle with 12 other celebrities who probably at that time had a bigger profile than me, were much more well-known, a lot older than me, so they were had grown into themselves a lot more. And we want you to go in, live in the South African jungle with no food, complete boredom, nothing to do, no contact with any of your loved ones. So you can't just have a terrible day where you're like, oh, no one understood me today. I've had to speak to these people that I don't have much in common with and now I can go call my mum and vent. Like it was just all me stuck with stuck with with the, the really hard things for the for the six weeks. And when I got the phone call, like there were so many things that went through my head as to why I didn't want to do that and I wasn't capable of doing it. And I think for me what happens is that this wave of adrenaline comes over me that helps me say yes. Then I go away and I calm myself down and I sit with my thoughts and I write down all the things that I think that I can't do and then I pick them apart and I go, okay, I don't think that I can not speak to my family for six weeks. And then I and I look deeper into that and I go, well, why do I, why do I think that? Like, why can't I? I've probably done it before when I've been overseas without even noticing I've done it. Do you know what I mean? It's just, we, we get fixated on these things that we can't do. And when we actually sit there and unpick it or write it out, there's actually no reason that we can't do that. We'll be right back with the rest of this episode after this healthy break. Neon is the go-to marketplace for models, social media influencers and celebrities to connect with brands. If you're wanting to take your social media to the next level, then Neon has the answers for you. Now offering bespoke social management packages for all social media platforms, they will run your social media platforms for you creating digital and communication strategy, as well as scheduling and posting on platforms. They'll create brand-specific content each week and engage in influencer marketing campaigns and brands that align with your target market. With their fingers on the social media pulse and a team of elite models and influencers, Neon is able to create professional and unique content to be used across platforms to promote your brand in a meaningful and authentic way. As a proud sponsor of today's episode, Neon are kindly offering our fellow hustlers 20% off their social management services. All you need to do is use the code NEON20 and email an inquiry to info at neonmodelmanagement.com. We allow a lot of these things to become barriers for what we actually want out of life. And we're all so incredibly capable of achieving whatever we want. Something that I've really taken away um, from my work with Georgie Stevenson is she talks a lot about there's no special people. And it's so true. And it's made me realize throughout this doing the podcast that all of these, you know, highly influential and successful people that I've interviewed they're not any more important than anyone else or any more special. They've just decided to bloody break through that barrier of fear, go for it, to work really, really hard at becoming the best that they possibly can in the chosen field that they want to be in. And at times they have had to fake it till they make it. Mm. They didn't 
they weren't born to be, you know, the best at what they were doing, but they've worked really hard to get there. And so there's nothing different about them and Joe Blow around the corner. It's just that they literally decided to go for it. And I love that Georgie speaks about that a lot because it really reminded me that's probably the the thing that I've learned the most from the podcast is that there isn't any special people at all. Mm, It's just that, that. you know, there's certain people that have decided to to fake it until they make it. That's funny you say that. I have this real fascination at the moment with – have looking at the most successful people in the world or some of the most you know highly publicized successful yes. people um, like the Bill Gates and the Donald Trumps of the world and lots of them have their own documentaries now I think that's yeah. a, a new phase at the moment yes. is when you've reached a certain point let's make a documentary about your life and this week I've watched the Donald Trump and the Bill Gates documentaries instead of my usual junk television time well done <laughs> <Have you? laughs> pat on the back and the common theme that I see within these really successful people is that they've probably faked it till they made it and they've they've just say, said yes to things and thrown themselves into scary situations mm. their whole entire lives but the other thing I've noticed is that they don't get bogged down by other people's opinions of them. And I think that is such a boundary for so many people and it's stopping so many people from taking their their success to the next level is getting bogged down by all the haters, all the people that have something to say, all the people that are telling them that they're not doing the right thing. Um, It can be such a barrier to breaking through to that next level. And it's something that I'm going to be really focused on after kind of watching some of these really, really phenomenal people do such phenomenal things and kind of sitting there taking notes, watching a few documentaries over the last week is I want to spend the next year focused on not letting anyone's opinion of what I'm doing take any of my energy away. Yes. I think that is such a good, like if you can take anything from that episode, it's that because it is so, so important. I'm not We're saying like, I'm pro Donald Trump, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let's just make that I'm clear. Just try, I'm just trying to take no, some of the key it, character traits of these absolutely. successful people. And I think that's so true. Like, you know, we can get so bogged down, even if it's the people around us, our family. Like I remember when I was thinking of launching mm-hmm. the podcast and I was like, oh my God, but how am I going to tell people like, you know, my friends and my family, well, I'm leaving a job to launch a podcast. Like who do I think I am? Like there's all, when in hindsight I did it and they're all your biggest supporters Mm. around you. So it's almost like we're associating these thoughts of what we think people will think when really you've probably got so many more cheerleaders than you actually know. Well, isn't it funny how that seems to happen in life? You have people around you tell you you shouldn't or you can't And sometimes they're your loved ones and sometimes they're people that don't even know you. And you feel that energy. When someone's kind of judging you or they're they're saying something like that sounds like it's trying to skew you away from what you actually want, you can feel it and you know it's happening. But whenever you actually make it happen and it's, it's it's a thing of the past, that goal has been ticked, they're all coming back to be your biggest supporters. It's so weird. I had you know, not my closest loved ones, but people tell me not to do Miss Universe Australia again because I had done it before and I didn't win and it had it set me the first time and, you know, not to put myself through that again. And I, I know some of them may have had an ulterior motive because they didn't want me to win and they didn't want mm-hmm. me to be successful. Some of them maybe just were genuinely worried about, you know, well-being. my mental well-being. Yeah. I don't know. But 
once I won, you know, everyone came out of the woodworks, whether they were a friend or an enemy and wanted to be my best friend. Yeah. And I was like, you mother, you know, you know like. You know, swearing on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did want to, I just had a thought then about what you were saying about the documentaries. I remember watching the Conor McGregor that I think you actually told oh, me to yes, watch that. I did. And look, I'm not really, he's not my cup of tea and <laughs> that sport's not my cup of tea. But what I took from that documentary was his belief, his self-belief from the very get-go, from the days when he was training in this like old crappy gym with no money and going home to a crap house. He had such self-belief in his in himself that he was going to be the best in the world. He was not afraid of money, of earning loads and loads mm. of money. Like I think at one point he said in that documentary, I want so much money that I don't even know what to do with it. Mm. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. You can take, people can take that with arrogance. Or I just looked at that and thought, bloody good on you. Yeah. Like you've actually believed that you are so worth that and that you were capable of that. And I think that's amazing. And I honestly think that that is why he's been so successful mm. um, and why he now has so much money that he doesn't know what to do with because he wasn't afraid of earning it. Who he is. Oh, yeah, sorry. He's a bo- is he a boxer? Yeah. Well, yeah. he's no- he was number, number one. Number one in the world. Yeah. But is it bo- it's boxing, isn't it? I don't know those sports. It's yeah. fighting, it's, some form of fighting. Yeah, it's either. But, um, yeah, Park he was Mondo, number boxing, one. One of the one of the <laughs> One of those, yeah, horrible fighting. <laughs> MMA? There's lots of blood. Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, I don't Let's know. not I, even go there. I just – it's funny when you're a female that has no interest in the sport but you're watching it for a different reason and you're just looking at him and his character traits and yes. what was pulling him through and a few things I took out of that were he was eating like tuna and like they had no money and no he was money. willing to sacrifice for a certain amount of time because yeah. he knew that the money was coming and he truly believed that. The other thing that I noticed is that he was cutthroat with his – network and he he's yes. had the most supportive partner that believed mm. in him just as much as he did even though at that point they couldn't afford to eat much more than tuna and rice yes she believed in him wholeheartedly yep. and he kept her around and nurtured her and loved her and said you know mm. appreciated her supporting him throughout that journey which is another example of what we've always preached in these episodes is your network and the people Absolutely. around you have to believe in you even if they know you're faking it yes and they know they go oh crap I actually she doesn't never done this before and this one's a big leap for her they still have to back you and and back that you're capable of putting on a show yes just as much as you have to back yourself mm-hmm. and I must admit, I truly believe that confidence, like self-confidence and believing in yourself is such a key ingredient to our health. Like it it truly is. And something I think about a lot actually, and I wrote a, a post, which I haven't posted yet, but I'll get around to it, was around how as children, we would take a compliment so easily without even realizing. So someone might say, oh, I love your dress today, or you've got such beautiful hair. And we would respond with, thank you, because that's what our mum has told us to or our parents or whoever's, you know, our guardian. Yet as we get older, we seem to find this way that we have to deflect these compliments. Mm. We don't accept them anymore. Instead, it's like, oh, this top, oh, it's so old or, oh, my hair, no, it's so dirty. I haven't washed it for a while. I'm the worst for doing this. I'm so self-deprecating because I think the biggest cringe thing for me is someone ever think I think I'm superior to them. So I'm constantly self-deprecating and you're right. Like it's but not. why? That's, yeah, I see, I started to flip it on its head now and think I actually admire women who will accept a compliment. It 
oozes self-confidence mm. and self-love. Sexy. It's sexy. It's really sexy. And I actually worked with a, a young girl who used to always accept compliments and I just used to admire it so mm. much and I would be like, wow, I totally don't do that. I deflect every compliment I get. But why? It doesn't mm. mean that I think I'm more beautiful or more superior or more beautiful or anything like that. It's just that that's actually made me feel really good. It's because probably that it's true. <laughs> I have, but I have done my hair. Of course I've done my hair so that it looks nice. Yeah. Of course I've bought it, put on a top to go out today that I do think looks nice. So to get a compliment for it is a really nice thing. Yeah. So it's something that I've really tried to focus on a lot is really accepting compliments. And it's something that I've actually said to Ryan now, having our own little daughter is, you know, I want compliments to be free-flowing in this house. I want you to compliment me when you think – I look mm. nice because I want Georgia to see that and to know that that's a normal thing mm. um, because I think, yeah, as women we just grow up with this thing of having to deflect them instead mm. of really wholeheartedly accepting them and also giving them out. Like if you think that someone looks nice, don't keep it in your own head. Mm. Tell them. Mm. Tell them that their hair looks great or that you love the dress that they're wearing mm. or that it looks flattering on them. Like that can truly make oh, someone's day. I'm the queen of giving them out but I still think I've – built some sort of belief system in my head that I I'm not worthy of them because I get too many of them from strangers so when someone that I know gives one to me I'm like well I don't want them to think I'm superior to them in any way because I'm already in this industry that kind of paints the picture that I am Mm -hmm. I have to deflect and make them feel comfortable and on my level and so I'm really going to take that on board I think that's such a great thing to advise people to do Mads. Yeah and I just think it's something that you know why have we stopped doing it like what in society has happened to us that makes us think once we're past a child that we can't accept a compliment. Mm. I wish that we could all go back to those childly ways in a, in a lot of things and yeah, accept compliments because I think that it's truly such a empowering part of our our self-love and our self-belief mm. is to be confident in your own skin. I love it. Now I want to finish the episode talking a little bit about the things that people can take away and do to build self-confidence because as I've said to you many times Mads I was that really really shy girl that called in sick when she had a speech that never put her hand up to answer a question in class I was terrified of, Mm -hmm. of public speaking and speaking in a group of people and it's something that I've taught myself over the years and you know we can we can say here we can sit here and we can say be more confident fake it till you make it whatever but what are some actual tools that people can actually do or to build confidence when they feel like they just don't have any. Um, For me, one that's been really great and I've obviously done some media training because it's very relative to where I'm headed in my career but there is an amazing international school of public speaking called Toastmasters and they have one basically, you know, in every regional city I'm pretty sure. Um, They have heaps in Melbourne, heaps in Sydney. Um, I was learning – from the president of the Toastmasters in Newcastle and her and I did some personal one-on-one stuff but going and and actually being at the group sessions I think is so powerful for anyone who feels like they want to step up to the next level of confidence. Um, What they do at Toastmasters is get you feeling confident to talk about things that you don't know much about and getting you up on stage and having you talk about nature for an hour if you don't know much about nature and really putting you in uncomfortable situations so that you walk away from those experiences going, I thought I couldn't do that and I did it and now I can do anything. Mm -hmm. So 
from me to you, like that's one of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone who wants to step it up. And you may have done it years ago and you may it may just remind you to have a go at it again because there's always more you can learn when it comes to public speaking. And I think whether you have anything to do with public speaking in your job or not, like Absolutely. it's something that Such can be powerful. Builder, definitely. Um, one thing that I would say, and this came from doing the live events, actually, we had so many young girls who came to those events alone. They didn't know anyone, but mm. they really wanted to build that self-confidence and, and to go to an event with like-minded people. And I really took a lot from that because I thought, you know, at that age, like a lot of these girls were 19, 20, at that age, I would never have done that. Like, I don't even know now if I would go to an event by myself because I wouldn't be confident enough. Mm. And so I really admired those young girls. And I thought, you have really done something there to set yourself up for being so much more confident next time you do mm. do that or next time you walk into a room of strangers or a situation that you feel uncomfortable in. You've already given yourself a building block to feel more confident. So I would say to people, sign up if it's a yoga class, if it's an event, if it's whatever it is, something that, that you actually you. <laughs> want, yeah, that you want to do, but scares you a little bit, sign up to it, go alone and make a new friend in the class or at the event that's obviously like-minded to you because they're in the same situation, mm. doing the same thing. And I think you'll get a lot from that and you'll really realise how powerful you can be when you put yourself in those uncomfortable, fearful situations. I love that. And being in, in the industry that I'm in, I've had to go to many, many events on my own during the week when my friends are at work. And I always walk away feeling more empowered, more inspired and feeling like I've networked better than ever when I go to things on my own. So great piece of advice, Mads. Yes. Well, thanks guys. That's all we've got time for today. Have a happy, healthy hustle for the rest of your day or night and we'll see you next time. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast app. If you'd like to suggest a topic, we'd love to hear from you via Instagram at The Healthy Hustlers or via the website, thehealthyhustlers.com. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things hustle, please follow at tegan.martin and at the healthy hustlers on Instagram. See you all next week.